This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome everyone. My name is Liis Kukkonen and this is Practitioner's Viewpoint. In this series of podcasts, I will be interviewing practitioners from different fields on how they see sedentary behavior and promotion of physical activity in their work. Today, I have the honor to introduce my guest, Dr. Dusty Marie Narducci. Dr. Narducci completed her family medicine residency at Houston Methodist Hospital and Sports Medicine Fellowship at the Mayo Clinic. She is the only sports medicine physician in the United States with her certification of added qualification in primary care sports medicine in addition to her certification as an eating disorder specialist. Dr. Narducci also completed a fellowship at the University of Chapel Hill with Focused, which focused on faculty development. Her current roles include being a team physician for University of South Florida and St. Leo University in Tampa, Florida. As an assistant professor, she is a leader in academic medicine. Given her eating disorder and sports medicine speciality, she is a huge fan of educating all on the power of physical and psychological strength for gaining better long-term health. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to introduce Dr. Dusty Marina Arducci. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Remind me one more time how to pronounce your name. Lise, right? Lise, yeah. Lise. Yeah. It is an yeah. absolute pleasure. I'm a big fan of your podcast. And yeah, thank you. I'm so glad that you are on this podcast. And just to start off, let's start with your professional background. How or why did you get interested in medicine? And what is your story? So honestly, as a young girl, I was definitely more focused on being an athlete. Um, I really didn't understand my love for science or what I was going to do with it just yet. It really wasn't until college that I kind of understood what I was capable of as like at an academic level. I knew I wanted to do something with medical, something with nutrition, fitness, and mental health. But after that, I was absolutely clueless. <laughs> so around 15, I started working and I'd say my childhood really wasn't ideal, but a very blessed with opportunity. And I actually started working at Hooters. I don't know if you're familiar with that as the orange shorts. I think I know. (laughs) And I did a lot of fitness modeling and I was just very into kind of that world um, through college. And previously I would have never talked about that because there's just such a stigma. And now I think I've really just taken ownership of that. And it makes me what's different from other doctors sometimes. It it makes me genuine. It, It helps me share a story. Uh, what was your sport? Were you in athletics or what was your discipline? Yeah, I was a big softball player and also cross country, soccer, honestly, anything I can get my hands on, I would play. You couldn't, <laughs> okay. you couldn't stop me. I was just like, oh, I'll learn how to do this one. Was I good? Absolutely not. But I tried, <laughs> um, but I, I played at a pretty good level. So it was it was amazing from individual sports to team sports. I can't say enough good things about sports. So. But it wasn't really until college that I had a few wonderful professors. And those are really the people that drove me into medicine. I didn't really think I could do the doctor thing and go to medical school. And they just kept pushing me and also amazing support systems. So that, in addition to proving those wrong, um, definitely is kind of what got me to uh, get that MD at the end of my name. But I'm originally from Florida. During training, I've lived everywhere from St. Martin to New York to Baltimore, Texas, 
finally made it back to Florida uh, for my first big girl job. And I'm now the sports medicine doctor at USF and St. Leo University. And and I knew that I wanted to pursue sports medicine, but it wasn't until I was kind of in the field for a little bit and seeing the athletes that I realized how prevalent eating disorders were and what bad information we had about fitness and and nutrition. And I think that's pretty much when my mission's path like mapped itself out. So I really use my personal journey um, for physical, spiritual, and psychological well-being as my platform in medicine. Uh, it's a, I think you have a good good base for that and your own story also. I think in the medical or healthcare, we quite often don't realize how much bad information there also is available for people. But um, as a family physician, um, you work with different patient groups. Uh, do you discuss physical activity with your patients often? I do. And I think family medicine, just to bring that point up, is such a crucial, oh, such a crucial part to discussing physical activity and just overall fitness and health and well-being. But I do consider that that discussion really must be done in a personal manner. Um, there's no cookie cutter dialogue regarding how to encourage and educate physical and mental health recommendations to another person. So I really do my best to never walk into a room and insult a patient, never shame them, assume or stigmatize them regarding their relationship with food and physical activity. And I see this done quite often and it just makes me so sad. So it's really completely unacceptable by my standards and I just won't tolerate it. So when patients talk negatively about themselves, I really try to acknowledge that and inspire them to first build a really good relationship with them, like with themselves personally, prior to putting standards and formulating goals. Like you need to be your best friend before you can actually succeed at anything. And I think we forget to tell that to our patients sometimes. So to answer your question, I usually start the uh, the conversation with that. Yeah. I, I just wanted to ask, have you seen like um, a, a positive um effect of like with the patients that you get this personal connection uh, can you then see that you can affect them better or do you think it needs like a longer a relationship if I may say I think that's a great question absolutely it changes the com dynamic completely in the room um, they have to respect you but They, you can't ask them to respect you and to respect them until you're kind to them. So I think they know when they walk in my room and just the way that I treat them that I'm there to help them. I'm not there to judge them or tell them this has to be this certain way. It's very much about them and what's going to work for them. And I'll share my stories and give them suggestions. But building that rapport is absolutely crucial. And then once you build that rapport, and sometimes it takes less time or more time, I think at this point, I'm a little bit better at it than I was five or six years ago. Um, but once you do that, then you really can kind of create behavioral change in your patients. We don't get taught that in medicine school, in medical school <laughs> at all. I've def definitely heard that before from, from other guests also, and especially physicians who are practicing that to kind of get to the values of your patient and to see what's driving them is crucial to get the results when we're talking about behavioral change. Absolutely. I always ask myself, who am I to walk into a room and assume that someone wants to hear that they should be more physically active, especially when I know nothing about 
what motivates them, who they are, where their barriers are. I mean, to be successful, the receiver needs to one, like want to receive the message, right? And it's really the foundation to any dialogue in any relationship. Trust me, I've been through enough relationships at this point <laughs> that I'm trying to use those skills everywhere. But uh, sometimes I think we forget to to practice respect, like show empathy, exhibit kindness. Like I really try and live by those standards. So um, I guess you partly already answered to my next question, but um, what is your professional philosophy when it comes to preventing diseases that might be related to unhealthy lifestyle? How do you think we should, how should we, I don't know if solve the problem is really a right way of putting it, but I, I think you know what I mean, like on a bigger scale, what should, or is it always like an individual maybe issue to solve or that like in a bigger scale should we do something in the society in a different way i think it's an amazing question i mean first about my professional philosophy like as a physician i'm really looked at for advice and not only that but also as an example so i really take that to heart and it's taken me a really long time to optimize my personal physical and mental health so sharing my lessons both good and bad is really how i try to guide my patients my journey continues every day. Trust me, I do not have it completely figured out, but self-reflection is is definitely important. So I really believe that physical movement is about being active. It's, it shouldn't be focused on losing weight or looking any particular way. You know, this is because fitness feels so good in so many other ways and it has so many other benefits that are positive for our mind, our body, and our soul. And when you use something like weight loss to kind of drive this, we really lose sight of the real mission. So I think our media messages are pretty unacceptable, to be honest. Like health is always focused on weight and meeting some, again, that ideal body image or diet standard. Like one day it's about plant-based and meat is literally the death sentence, you know, and then the next, the next day keto bandwagon. So the truth is there's a lot more to health than, than weight and even nutrition and exercise, like emotional well-being, like we need to be talking about that. And if that's compromised, you can forget about everything else. It's, it's doomed. Definitely, yeah. And the, the mixed message, mostly I think we don't realize when we see the perfect body, maybe somewhere we don't really realize what's, what's the work put into getting that, for example, in a fitness competition or somewhere. So we don't realize these people don't look like this all the time. So there's so much mixed messages coming up. So we maybe don't know what's kind of normal anymore. We're all the time wanting more and uh, that's not very healthy. I also think so. Um, so according to research, physicians are not... Um, referring patients to exercise or physical activity uh, very often. What are your thoughts on that? And if it's so, what are the barriers in your opinion? I'm not sure if um, exercise can be as medicine and prescribed, but we also know that physicians are not very often talking about physical activity with their patients. What do you see in, in, in your clinical practice? I mean, honestly, this might sound mean, but maybe they shouldn't be if they don't have the knowledge. I think sometimes we we cause more harm than we do good. You know, if a doctor doesn't have the time to assess a patient's goals, barriers, and current state of mind, then like how can virtuous guidance really be provided? So discussions about physical activity are 
very, very sensitive, as I already mentioned. And if it's not done appropriately, I just don't know if we should be doing it, or maybe they should be seeing somebody who can have that conversation. Again, though, doctors are given such a bad rep. You know, there's so many barriers. And just to name a few, like, you know, we do not receive like teaching about fitness and nutrition in medical school. You know, the education really is key here. So telling a pregnant patient or a patient with knee arthritis to never exercise could be like not further from the truth. I mean, that is such common advice I hear and that's not appropriate to say. And I encourage my students to really like break the barrier of medical education in the sense of if they don't know something, just admit they don't know it. Like every day is an opportunity to learn and every day is an opportunity to learn. And if you already know everything, then go home. I don't want you taking care of my patients. That's kind of usually what I say. And we really have a limited time for patients. There's so much focus now in the medical field about documentation and financial production. And we really just kind of don't have enough time with our patients to love and care for them or to even educate ourselves. You know, and we're graded on our performance. So if you tell a patient something they don't want to hear, um, that could like actually hurt you as a practitioner. So again, that makes it even more difficult to have sometimes these conversations. And then I wanted to bring up something called haze. Is that okay? Have you ever heard of haze or health at every size? I've heard, yeah. But have you? Yes, I want you to bring it up. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> it's something I just love talking about. So haze and health at every size, it's trademarked terms, but I use them personally as well as in my practice. I think it's a great philosophy to live by. You know, the terms were trademarked by the Association for Size, Diversity, and Health, um, which is an organization that really promotes taking a non-diet approach to wellness. And our literature says it, simply put, like diets and unhealthful exercise simply don't work and they're not sustainable, like done. And we need to get that message out. And as you said, yeah, we, we don't realize what goes into those competitions. You know, we don't realize what goes into looking a certain way. I've lived it and now I take care of those people. And it's exhausting. It's, it's miserable and it puts so much pressure and it affects relationships and jobs and life. And, you know, we don't talk about that part of it. We just see the Instagram picture, you know, so. Join to stop the worldwide pandemic of inactivity. Are you a medical doctor, physical therapist, personal trainer, or someone else helping individuals in making a change towards a healthier, better life? Imagine a behavior change tool designed for professionals like you to help your clients achieve better results and at the same time provide you with more income. Fibian is that tool. It offers an evidence-based way for health and wellness professionals to extend their services into coaching. The only thing your client needs to do is put a tiny Fibian device into their pocket for a week. No buttons, no apps, no Bluetooth connections, just a foolproof way to get scientifically accurate data easily. The device collects subjective physical activity data from your client. Furthermore, it forms easy-to-understand visual feedback and lifestyle suggestions towards healthier choices that you can present and discuss with your client. An individual approach encourages and motivates clients to change their lifestyle patterns and gives you an opportunity to strengthen your expert status and distinguish from competition. Fibian helps you to educate and coach your clients through this change towards a more active and healthy life. 
Strengthen your expert status. Distinguish yourself from the competition. Order Fibian now at Fibian.com. That's F-I-B-O-N dot com. Yeah, definitely. We. I just uh, wanted to maybe come back to the uh, advice that we give. It's, um, I also see it here. We live in the different parts of the world, and the problems in a way are similar that in the medical system, we don't have so much time with the patients anymore, but it's the documentation that takes a lot of of our time so i hope that um this and the development in this part will be better uh in the future so that there is again more time with the patients maybe all the new digitalization will help us in in that way um so when we are talking about the physical activity and exercise there's a lot of measuring going on with different devices so um, do you use any devices to measure or screen the current level of your patient's physical activity or what are your thoughts on that so we have everything from menstrual cycle trackers now to rings that monitor sleep. Like I can't even keep up with all the things we could measure. I would probably have to quit my job and just measure everything <laughs> all day. But frankly, I actually avoid encouragement of these devices to my patients. And I think people are kind of surprised when I say that. I did do a podcast recently about the use of bioinformatics. Um, and I feel almost like a phony. I'm just not an enthusiast for it. You know, in the podcast, I did hash out some of the evidence surrounding the benefit of these devices. And I'll be honest, it was really disappointing. Like, they're really not that helpful. And I guess you have to ask yourself what your goals are, what your patient goals are. You know, using these devices really takes people out of the present moment. You know, isn't like social media enough and other forms of technology? Like, they distract us so much. And now we're like adding all this to exercise. Like, we can't just go for a run anymore. We have to look down and we have to test all these other things. So, Previously, I've tried like everything at this point, you know, vests that measured every possible metric. You know, I've also recorded calories and tried to have this macro or micronutrient and it just got absolutely exhausting. You know, most of us work really hard already and I just kind of wanted to focus a little bit more on my life outside of putting these standards on myself. You know, I really rather endorse trying like a new activity for my patients, like kayaking, rollerblading, intramural sports, rather than using a device to, you know, run better or to go faster or to record this, you know, the physical and mental advantages of learning like a new task, you know, it's just awe-inspiring. You know, this is a, such a cool way to like build confidence, like find pleasure, it enhances relationships. So like you discover, you know, just a little bit more mindfulness and really what your body's capable of. And I just wish people would focus more on that rather than device after device. Uh, what's your feedback from your patients? Like, I, if I understood correctly, you have changed or also um, your viewpoint on this as a physician. So have you noticed a difference from, from the feedback that you get from your patients? Absolutely. I think some of those that are very fixated on the devices, because there, there is another opinion, you know, there is these devices are good for this and it's bringing me to my goals, but it is quite sad because, you know, I don't really emulate sometimes those patients and their life and how fixated they are on those things. And, and you will see they're, they're very controlled, very exhausted in the rest of their life. And until they see that that is kind of a barrier, it's almost impossible to get to them. They're, they're very fixated on the numbers, very analytical. And I just 
you can break them or you can't. And I think when they see that I'm happy, but I'm still able to meet really incredible fitness goals, it almost is living by example. So then they start to listen to me a little bit more, but most people appreciate that. I think everybody in society wants to just kind of take a breather for a second, get a free pass from a physician (laughs) rather than being told what you have to do next or what test you have to do here, you know? So I don't know. I think it's taken well. (laughs) Uh, According to our customer research, patients really want to be heard and also they want you to follow up on them, how they're doing. I think that's the message that we get here from our clients or patients. So, um, well, anyways, if, uh, in your opinion, what feedback uh, can clinicians give to their clients? How do you give feedback to your to the people that come come to your uh, practice, and if or when you want to give some feedback about physical activity or or the lifestyle matters? I think everybody gives different types of feedback, and you just have to find what works for you. But fitness, I really try to promote to my patients to really not focus on the metrics, the measures, like enhance that mind-body connection rather than promoting a disconnection. You know, support positive feelings, not pain or dread. You know, rejuvenate the body rather than like drain it. You know, I have a few few things I kind of go through and it's like my advice for clients to assist them in like keeping that fitness healthy and not pathological. And it's exercise because you want to, not because you feel like you have to. Like right there, key message. If you don't want to do this, it's not going to work. You know, it'll work for a little bit, but you're not going to stick with it. And only do activities that you enjoy. It's okay. It's not a punishment. I feel like that's the biggest misconception. Well, I don't like running. Okay, then don't run. You know, it, and they're like, really? I'm like, yes, it, we'll find a different type of cardio or we can get into HIIT training or weightlifting, you know, things like that. And really add variety. Stop with the ruts or only doing one sport. You know, that's how we get you know, overuse injuries and really just get bored. And uh, something that I've always wanted wanted to just kind of promote is travel and leisure exercise. You know, some people just go away and they're like, I'm never going to exercise. This is my vacation. Or I kind of take it in a different level. I, I up my exercise or my fitness when I'm on vacation and use it as part of part of my vacation. Like, let me go run up these stairs at this amazing monument, you know, five times. And that's my exercise for the day. And then learn the history or go climb a mountain somewhere or, you know, run and see the city instead of taking a tram, you know, something like that. And um, don't continue activity if there's pain, fatigue, you know, injury, like you got to stop, stop when your body's telling you to stop and make sure to fuel it appropriately. You know, obviously with the eating disorder specialty, like that's such a huge platform for me and understand your motives for exercise, be honest with yourself, respect your body and remove all concepts of possible of fat, calories, size, you know, things like that and just use nice language. But that's the answer to your question, usually the feedback I give. So I, I personally find it quite difficult actually to, um, when we are talking to patients about the motivations of exercise. And sometimes it is easy to take this up, but uh, we have been talking now about physically inactive people or clients, but when we come to the other end of the spectrum and uh, there is these patients that are maybe a bit too active, I personally feel it's kind of, it's quite difficult to get behind the thoughts. And I feel as a, Professional, I feel it a quite challenging topic. How do you, um, you know, how do you go about with that? 
can you do you think that you can um, recognize the patients that might actually do a too much exercise? Absolutely. I see that side of the spectrum as well. You know, I have an orthopedic practice and then I also have the eating disorder practice. And I think that's a perfect example of where it's, it's switched. You know, not every eating disorder patient over exercises, but with our athletes, you know, dysfunctional exercise is a real thing. You know, this is a real problem. And, and we're seeing now too much exercise can end up causing heart arrhythmias and just the injuries alone, you know, just beating up your body and overused muscle, tendon, ligaments. I mean, just not having enough time, always feeling so spread thin. So yeah, I am definitely able to recognize it now. And I try and get on that as soon as I can as a physician. I don't let it go too far because it's way harder to come back if you, you know, if you kind of go down that road. And it's addicting. I mean, it's it's absolutely addicting. I don't know if that answered your question. Uh, yes, thanks. That's You're a welcome. great answer. So um, we are kind of like getting to the end of the first part of our podcast. So what do you think is the most important thing a family doctor can do to promote healthy lifestyles or physical activity? So there's a lot of emphasis on weight, as we already talked about. And while diet and exercise are important, we really need to consider other factors. So I want practitioners to start understanding and talking to their patients about healthcare, genetics, social equality, like those things all need to be taken into consideration. You know, and I see physicians use BMI or body mass index as a motivator for the physical activity discussion. And I can't be any more frustrated when I see this. So BMI is a screening tool. It's not a diagnostic tool. It has a lot of limitations. It doesn't consider muscle versus fat, fitness level di like differences between ethnicity and genders. So if a conversation about physical activity is to be had, this should really be done regardless of a BMI, a body habitus. It needs to be keenly individualized, delivered with empathy, and like well-constructed. So be sure the patients understand that physical activity is not being prescribed for just weight loss. That is going to go down a negative road and they're going to feel almost attacked, you know, or like a failure if they can't get get somewhere. Every body, I say, is different, you know, to find ways patients can be successful and make sure, as you said, that, you know, it's a continued discussion in the future, that it's brought up constantly. And if they're willing to hear that message, being back to the first point about building, building that rapport, I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a book called um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it was authored by Stephen Covey. Um, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but it's the idea of effectiveness. So there's two components, you know, you have of effectiveness. So basically these are, you want to get something to be produced. So it's your desired results and to get what you want over and over again, you know, this is production capability. So we need to shift how we have our patients think about physical activity. So we know we should be physically active on a regular basis, but only some of us have the production capability, which actually allows us to continue to do this behavior. So to be successful with creating this lifelong healthy relationship with physical activity, we really need to find a balance between, you know, what we can produce and that production capability. So a patient who engages in physical activity for two weeks, but is unable to continue this behavior due to a poor initial considerations of their barriers, 
um, they're not going to have any capacity to continue. So we need to figure that out from the get-go as physicians. So if we could do that, I think that's really, really going to just, you know, just create such an amazing change. And um, neglecting one aspect of production sustainability will lead to failed production as a whole. So we can't miss all those points. You know, the idea of, of effectiveness, it's pretty immense, but it's it can help our patients and it's really like a force to be reckoned with. So I've, I've, I've heard from about the book. I yeah. haven't read it myself, but so, so what makes it a difference in between people or persons that some people have the capability of being productive? Uh, this capability is higher than the others. How do you like, what, what, what's the theory in the book? I got really interested now. So if you and I can figure that out. We can just uh, run away and make a lot of podcasts for a living. I love that. Okay. <laughs> but uh, they don't really give such a great answer. And it's an amazing book. Don't get me wrong. I, I absolutely love the book. I've read it like five times. Um, probably even more than that. But I think it's taking that step back and understanding your values in life, understanding your principles, and then having that paradigm switch in your brain. So these are the things that are important to me. And this is how I'm going to get them done. And these are the barriers I'm going to have. And then you'll get that production capacity. You know, I think we forget all the steps A and B before we try and get to C. And, you know, we just, again, I mean, we have to kind of prepare ourselves better, but also be honest with ourselves. And I have that conversation with my patients a lot. Well, I know I should do this. Well, well, should you actually go running? And they look at me like, well, every other doctor tells me I should be doing this. I was like, well, are you going to be miserable doing it? Do you like doing it? Well, no. Okay. Well, what would you want to do every day? Like what is possible in your schedule with three kids and a job, you know, and is it hanging out with a girlfriend and walking? Is it playing a team sports um, and having your, your, your son there? You know, I mean, those, all those questions are just so important. And I really think that then leads to something that can be done every day. And it's a good, healthy relationship. And it is easier to make changes if you know, or when you, if you know your values, then, then it's much easier because we have so many choices every day we can do. And then, then we can maybe cha um, choose what's really important for us. Uh, I think it's great what you said that as a physician or a healthcare professional, we really need to know if people are wanting or ready to hear what we have to say. And we have to really listen and be there for our patients. Um, I know that you are all also, um, you have podcasts that you are um, attending or how do you say it? <laughs> Is I think it, attending is uh, perfect. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. Um, so uh, where else can our listeners find you or reach you? And uh, what are the podcasts that you are attending? So one of the ones I work for the most often is EM Rap. Um, they have a new section. So EM Rap was originally developed for emergency medicine. And then they had a spinoff called Right on Prime. And Right on Prime is more for your primary care physicians. So for internal medicine, family medicine, really kind of focusing on what we're talking about now. And it has just been extraordinary to work with that company. I can't say enough about them. Been working with them for a few years and definitely kind of became their sports medicine eating disorder girl. And uh, 
you know, just getting the message out there about physical activity, well-being. They recently just asked me to do a podcast about such an interesting topic about how religious and cultural change, like beliefs kind of affect sports. You know, we did a sports medicine COVID episode. So also AMSSM, which is American Medical Society of Sports Medicine and British Journal of Sports Medicine. So I work with some of them. Great. And you also have a website. I do. do um, my website is docdusty.com. It's more focused on eating disorders. It's definitely kind of a road to recovery website. A um, little bit of information. I wish I could just play on that all day long and podcast with you. Because <laughs> it, it's just such a joy. It doesn't pay the bills, but uh, love it. So uh, we are going to have a little break now. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Narducci and all our listeners will be back soon for the second part of our podcast. And in the second part, we'll discuss eating disorders, how to recognize them, what could be done to prevent eating disorders, and how to act if someone close to you is having a problem with eating. So thank you, Dusty, and thank you to all our listeners. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show, it would be great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.